Welcome to episode number two in the EAIE podcast series. I'm your host, Laura Rumbly, Associate Director for Knowledge Development and Research at the European Association for International Education. The EAIE podcast series aims to explore an eclectic range of issues that intersect with the work of international education professionals in Europe and beyond. And our topic for this episode is one that I think is particularly compelling, and that is the future of Europe's cities. With three quarters of the global population and some 72% of Europeans estimated to be living in urbanized areas, cities frame the daily realities of billions of people around the world. Cities exert an enormous influence on the planet, and they're clearly hubs for international and intercultural engagement with all of the challenges and opportunities that, of course, come along with that. In Europe and elsewhere, cities are also home to many higher education institutions, as well as the networks of knowledge development and consumption and the labor market dynamics with which higher education institutions are so closely connected. So how much do we really know about cities and how do their realities and prospects connect to our work in international education? Our guest for this episode, Ina van de Castile, is in a very good position to shed some light on these issues for us. Ina is a hydrogeologist by training and currently serves as a scientific officer for the Territorial Development Group of the European Commission's Joint Research Center. She was the lead editor on an extensive 2019 European Commission report on, in fact, the future of cities. Ina has also recently authored one of the six conversation starter essays that the EAIE commissioned this year to get us all thinking in deeper and different ways about the theme, Forging Creative Pathways, that frames the EAIE Community Exchange event. As I hope you know, the EAIE Community Exchange is taking place online from the 14th to the 16th of October, 2020. We caught up with Ina at her home in Northern Italy to talk about some of the key findings that are emerging from recent research on urban centers, and how many of the creative pathways forward run through Europe's cities. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. For our Conversation Starter publication this year, we turned to you specifically, seeking some insights into the future of cities in Europe, because you're the lead editor of a 2019 European Commission report on this very subject. Before turning specifically to that topic, though, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to develop an interest in urbanization and if international or intercultural experiences, educational or otherwise, somehow have factored into the evolution of your career. So maybe a little bit of uh, of background first, then, because I I do see myself as one of the many, many international people working in our organization. So I am a, a Belgian citizen. But I was born in South Africa and raised in Botswana. I then went on to study in in Belgium and Portugal, and I've always worked in in international contexts. Now a little bit more focused on on Europe, but even in working on Europe, we also always look at the the global situation. Uh, And for sure, international education has always uh, been a part of who I am, and uh, it's definitely shaped how I see the world. So my interest in urbanization came about rather naturally, let's say. I'm a a hydrogeologist by training, and I actually started out studying natural hazards in Central Africa, my first job. And uh, there we actually worked on a a study that looked at uh, gully erosion in Kinshasa, which is a massive, massive city which rapidly developed uh, mostly on sandy quite sandy, erodible soil. And we actually calculated that about two square kilometers of the city was eroded away 
that's about an area the size of, uh, of Monaco, which was lost in the, the center of the, the city. So massive destruction based, based on that, the fact that it was completely unplanned. Uh, so that, that to me was quite an eye-opener of what, what it was to have such rapid um, unplanned uh, urbanization. Now working at the, the European Commission's Joint Research Center, I've been working in a group that models future land use so we look at how European policies may shape the future land use of Europe. And we look at um, how that in turn affects factors such as water and energy consumption, air quality, accessibility, land abandonment, to name just a, a few. And in, uh, in all of that, urbanization trends always have a major impact on what our, our results actually are. More recently, uh, I've been involved in setting up the Community of Practice on city Cities, which is managed by the, the JRC. And uh, in doing so, I've become more and more aware of just how um, incredible cities can be, how, how dynamic they are, and how much power they actually have to bring about change. So I've actually seen now and started to realize how urbanization could actually be done in a sustainable way and it could actually be beneficial and it could give people a much better quality of life if managed well. Cities are innovative, they're creative, they're resilient places and I've actually come to see now that they have um, they have potential to be more than just areas that have negative uh, environmental impacts. I think that's a really interesting um, reflection on the way that way leads on to way, isn't it? In the course of the life, we have these experiences and we have these new insights into things that are going on around us and an interest and a curiosity to dig into them further. So really interesting to hear about your background in that area. Um, you've just now mentioned, and of course in the essay you've written for us, um, a wide range of issues in the context of city realities and dynamics. So everything from infrastructure pop to population trends, economic issues, public health, of course in the, in the COVID-19 era, education and innovation, environmental awareness and stability, and more. Um, when you think about that laundry list of issues that relate to cities, are there any particular issues um, in the context of Europe or, or elsewhere that really get you excited or on the flip side of that, agitated or concerned? So if you had to bring that list down to one or two key issues that you'd like people to pay a little bit more attention to, what would that short list include and why? Okay, well, I have to, to start by giving credit where credit is due. We cover a lot of topics in the report. And uh, <laughs> it's not just me. My background is, is quite environmental and I've, I've learned a lot. We've had uh, over 70 people contributing to the report, all experts in their specific fields. And uh, I mean, this is the, the incredible thing about cities. It, every topic is covered there. And, and we have to say that yeah, every, pretty much every challenge that we face on a whole is compounded in an area with dense population, dense infrastructure. So working on cities has, has really been fascinating. And there's just so much to, to cover. We only touched on uh, a few issues that we thought were, were especially important, but there's, there's just so many. So... To name a few is a difficult question, but okay, let's start with, uh, with what gets me excited. Um, I, I think that now we're, we're in a point of time at which um, things could change for the better. I really, I hope that they will. Um, creativity and innovation have a huge role to play now. I mean, in, in writing the report, I, I 
dug in a little bit further and, and you see so many examples of how cities are already taking steps to implement new ideas. They are taking on board what, um, what citizens are telling them. A lot of the times they're doing this also much faster than what may be the case at the national level. Uh, some examples I can think of are projects promoting the sharing economy, uh, inclusivity of people in neighborhoods, environmental awareness in, in cities. Um, another thing that gets me quite excited now is, is technology. We have the capacity to do so much with it already. If, if well managed and applied properly, it could improve people's lives in so many ways, from mobility to uh, the efficient use of our infrastructure and, and resources to, uh, to service provision. Um, then thinking of issues that maybe could get me a bit agitated or that I would like to, to highlight. I mean, I have to think it of my, my own experience in compiling the report and, and receiving so many different inputs. There are a few things that I didn't really realize or I feel were not maybe talked about as much. The first is, um, well, an age-old problem. And of course, we know that in, in cities, uh, the inequalities that we have come out even more. So inequalities remain an issue. Social segregation remains an issue in, in almost all cities. Um, and in fact, something that I, I didn't realize so much before is just how much your immediate physical surroundings affect uh, your general well-being, both physical and, and mental. Uh, there was a, a study by, by the University College London that actually estimated that just depending where you lived in London, your life expectancy could differ by about 20 years. The other point that comes out to me now, and, and now it's, it's being talked about more and more, is the fact that even though globally we still talk about an exponentially growing population and rapid, rapid urbanization in, in many parts of the world, still it's true, but actually many cities in, in Europe, North America, and also in, um, in Asia, I think especially Japan, are actually already losing population. In fact, around 12% of European cities will lose more than a quarter of their population by 2050. This means that we have to seriously rethink how we use the space that we have in, the, in our cities. European cities are, are already a little bit more rigid. They're, they're quite well developed and we actually start to have quite a bit of abandoned space in our inner cities. It's something that we will, we will have to adapt to. How do we deal with, uh, with shrinking cities? How do we... Um, keep them going on? How do we keep them attractive and keep them functioning under such conditions? It can be a positive thing, but it, again, it needs to be managed well. Another aspect is that we ourselves, I mean, this is really because I'm really happy about this. Of course, it's good news. We are living longer and longer. I think um, the statistic was that for, for women in the EU, EU, our life expectancy should get over 90 by 2070, which is fantastic. <laughs> but it means that um, our cities will also have to adapt to a different demographic. We actually need to adapt to, to uh, an older population and, and their needs. There will be um, a higher dependency ratio in our, in our cities. And these are all things that as we look forward, the next 10, 20, 50 years will shape how we, we build and we manage and, and how our cities go, go forward.
So those are, are really some very interesting issues that I think may resonate with some of our audience. This general sense of optimism, I think, is often shared within the international education community. You know, we really feel like in many ways the work that we do has the potential to, to contribute to a better world. And so keeping that, our eye on that better future, I think, is, is a bit of the part of the DNA of the international education community. But the challenges that you indicate as well, those notions of social inequality are becoming more and more present. I think in our thinking. Um, we're a bit worried in some circles about the rather elite nature of some aspects of the international education endeavor. And also, of course, the shifting demographics that you mentioned have a major impact on universities and higher education in Europe and elsewhere. So being able to understand those trends is really important for us um, as well. So very interesting. Of course, our community might also have some its own short list of hot, to hot topics when it comes to some of these matters of city dynamics. And I think one of the top ones, if I might speak for the community, is probably around this issue of housing for students. Um, finding housing and finding quality and affordable housing at that, especially for students, is becoming increasingly difficult in a number of, of European cities. You yourself describe in the Conversation Starter essay some of the impact of short-term housing rental platforms, posing a challenge to international students seeking accommodation, uh, particularly in cities that have some very high incoming tourist rates, for example. When it comes to this matter of housing and its prospects for the future, I wonder if you have any thoughts about how this issue might be effectively tackled. Um, who should be some of the key players and what might be some of the strategies, especially thinking ahead in terms of innovation and future planning for cities? Well, affordable housing on a whole is a major issue in, in most larger cities and, of course, especially for uh, for students. I mean, I, I remember I studied in uh, in Ghent and then also in Coimbra in, in Portugal, and um, it was difficult to find uh, housing that was appropriate, that was affordable, of course, but also of an okay quality. I felt like it, it, it's a major issue. It's something that, to me, still... Uh, has far to go, and especially now considering housing on a whole um, in cities getting more and more pricey, especially in major major cities and capitals where a lot of, of uh, large universities are. Um, it's something that we we also looked at, especially this this idea of financialization of the the housing market. Um, also, as you mentioned. Uh, short-term renting platforms that actually drive up the prices in, in major cities. Of course, it has a major impact on the on student housing. I have to say that while the short-term rental market has pushed up prices, as, as we said, um, we are following this quite closely. The, the housing itself and tourism are two topics that our group is, is going to be following up on, especially looking at what impact the current pandemic will have. Because as it was at the time of writing, many cities were already standing up and actually forcing uh, regulations on short-term rentals, so limiting the number of days of rent, uh, actually taking quite quite active part in, in regulating that sector. And now we actually hope that a lot of those properties will go back to the long-term rental market. And, act, and we hope that that'll go in a positive direction, but it's something that, that remains to be seen. I mean, we don't really know what will happen the next um, few months and, and years. Um, going to how we could tackle this, the situation. Um, I mean, for me, the, the most interesting and best kinds of solutions are those which can tackle more than one issue simultaneously. 
one aspect that is a major problem in, in I think, well, many cities, but especially European ones maybe, is uh, the fact that a lot of the inner city is abandoned, that there are a lot of empty buildings. And of course, this is something where the local authority needs, needs to be involved, uh, needs to take action on this. But I feel like there is a lot of space to actually rejuvenate, to renovate those spaces and actually bring certain groups back into the city centre. And I think students would, would be ideal to, to do that, to even come with ideas of how this could be done, how they could reclaim those, uh, those properties. I'm thinking of, for, for example, um, empty apartments above shops on major shopping streets or really, really downtown uh, areas, which actually are, are really active by day and then completely empty by night. Another example of, of something I find quite exciting and which touches again on, our, on the issue of, of aging is um, uh, new initiatives. And there are several, I know in, in the Netherlands and also other countries, there are actually co-housing projects that um, put students together with elderly people. So in some cases, it's been an old age home, which has then emptied some rooms and allowed students to live there for free in return for spending time with, um, with their elderly uh, co-inhabitants. But it could also be completely different projects where there's mixing of, uh, of generations, which, I mean, it, it tackles some of the issues that there are with, uh, with loneliness in cities, with uh, older people who maybe don't have that much support, who sort of need that stimulation to, to keep them going. And then also at the same time, provide students with, um, with a cheaper or, or even in some cases free place to live of good quality. And, uh, and I think some good company because I, I love my, <laughs> my grandparents. I think they're great to spend time with. So I think there's, there's a lot of positive experiences to be had there. And that's something that's quite um, grassroots initiatives coming up to, to do that. And I, I think, I mean, this is definitely one of the areas in which universities have a role to play for sure I mean students can actually come cities are actually listening and um, what's exciting is that yeah you can come with with different ideas um, there's all projects looking at, at providing completely passive sort of ex experimental housing looking at what housing could be towards the future a little bit experimental but as a student I think it would be uh, amazing to live in, uh, in such kind of housing projects so I think there's, there's a lot of potential there and again it's 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 really exciting and I hope that this is something that improves a lot over the next uh, the next years. I really do love that focus on the potential that students have to bring to this conversation and to the problem solving. And as you say, ways that an issue like this can be tackled um, so that there are multiple winners, you know, that come out of the effort to make sure that everybody has affordable and appropriate and, and comfortable housing. So that's a very exciting area to watch and delightful to know that your group um, is highlighting uh, some of this stuff in its future work. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Um, to another question I have for you, cities are, of course, focused on their local reality, um, but they are also connected to a broader national context, of course, given that cities sit in countries. Um, you've also indicated in your essay that many cities are increasingly engaging in regional or even international networks, so taking their frame of reference even a bit wider. 
I wonder if you might speak a little bit about some of the implications that might come from that sort of internationalization um, of city relations. This is is definitely something that it, <clears throat> again is exciting and and coming up the last uh, the last years more and more cities have sort of banded together, shared experiences, exchanged uh, knowledge on different topics. I mean, I, I think the reality is that many cities experience almost all cities experience very similar problems. The way to resolve them may be slightly different and needs to be tailored to the exact environmental um, situation and, and the setting of the city. But there are so many things that cities can learn from each other. And um, they become very, very powerful when they, they band together on certain issues. Uh, I mean, now they, they start to realize how important it is to, to scale up these kind of local solutions and um, share them and actually make sure that smaller towns are also engaged um, and sort of engage in, in global debates. Because city, cities have a lot to say. They're a very powerful unit at which to, to act. Uh, one specific area that I can think of in which cities are taking incredible action is, uh, is climate change. They're actually uh, now having even greater ambitions uh, than the national level. Cities generate about 70% of global greenhouse gas emissions, so they have a lot to answer for. <laughs> but they are very much aware of this and actually taking steps to, to implement plans to actually drastically reduce these emissions. And uh, some cities are actually even piloting projects now to become uh, carbon neutral. This is really fantastic. Um, looping back finally to you know the heart of the matter for the European Association for International Education, I wonder if you might speak just a moment about the kinds of roles that you see ahead for internet sorry for higher education institutions and particularly their international dimensions when it comes to the future of Europe's cities. Well, one one aspect we we did touch on, but I wish we could have gone more into into depth is the importance of behavioral change. I mean, cities are, are massive consumers of food, water, land, uh, resources in, in, in general. Our, our economies are still driven completely by, by consumerism. And uh, even though I feel like the mentality is, is starting to change and you do see a lot of positive things, we, we still consume far, far too much. Um, there are initiatives that give me hope, like the increase in, in citizen engagement coming with um, the solutions, the growth of the, the sharing economy, for example, push for, for the banning of single-use plastics, to give an example. But we, we still have so far to go. I myself am, am guilty of this. I mean, I, I should practice more of, of what I preach. I, I'm still not living in a way that I, I feel I, I should be. My hope then is that the next generation can push for this much needed behavioral change. And, uh, and for that, education is, is key. In a way, many things have been forced upon us by the, by the current pandemic. We, we've been forced to slow down, to buy locally, to walk and cycle more, to work from home. Uh, as we're doing now, to be much more aware of our environmental impact of our, of our footprint. As a result, there were vast improvements in air quality all over Europe. We were forced to take a moment to, to reflect, to have more empathy for others and to, to think a little bit about 
where we were headed, about, about what the future looks like. And in, in all of this, I feel that edu higher education especially has a vital role to play in ensuring that, well, all of us, not just the youth, but all of us are, are informed, engaged, and that um, the creative potential that, that all of us have is, is maximized, that it comes out to be able to bring about this, this much needed change. Um, international education has an especially important role to play, for sure, as solutions need to be found, they need to be shared, and they need to be applied at the global level to, to actually make a difference. Well, Ina, in the short conversation that we've had together today, and certainly in the context of the essay that you wrote for us, you've really given us a, an enormous amount of food for thought. It's really fascinating to consider what cities mean to us, um, what they mean to Europe, and what they mean to the future of the planet, really, when you think about the ways that they, uh, the roles that they can play, the ways that they contribute, and the ways that they can fail us, you know, if they don't take the, the steps that we hope they'll take to advance these really important agendas. Um, so on behalf of the EA, I would just really like to thank you for spending the time with us today. It's been delightful speaking with you and really interesting working with you on the development of the essay for our Conversation Starter series. Um, we really wish you good luck in the work that you have ahead in this area and hope that you'll stay connected with the EA. Thank you very much. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to share with you and I, I hope that it is a, a real discussion conversation starter because I mean the, the point of this report was really to to bring forward some of the issues many of which have been talked about for so long but in which there there's just not enough awareness or enough discussion or I hope that um, it kicks off a little bit of, uh, of discussion on these topics and that people pick up on it and uh, I mean it, it it has been exciting to work on it and it is being picked up in some um, some policies actually now being being formed so we're, we're very excited to be involved in, in a few of those things and um, let's see what the future brings I hope our cities will be will be better thank you again great speaking with you that was Ina van de Castile, a scientific officer with the European Commission's Joint Research Center. Her essay on the future of Europe's cities is freely available for download on the EAIE website, specifically on our blog page, which you can access at eaie.org blog. As you may be aware, we're in the process of publishing all six of the 2020 Conversation Starter essays on the EAIE blog, one per week as we move toward the EAIE Community Exchange event in mid-October. Each essay has a very different and compelling take on what forging creative pathways means in relation to international higher education in Europe today. We hope you'll take a moment to check those out. Episode number three of the EAIE podcast will be made available next week on September 30th, 2020. Our topic for that podcast episode will be artificial intelligence and student mobility, which is the focus of yet another of our conversation starter essays. This one is authored by Alan Goodman, President of the Institute of International Education, or IIE, in the United States. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please like and share the EAIE podcast widely on social media. You can listen and subscribe to the series via any of your preferred podcast platforms, so we hope you'll tune in regularly as we move forward. Finally, we're interested in hearing from you. Please send feedback, suggestions, and ideas for guests or topics to info at eaie.org. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you next time on the EAIE podcast.